Thanks for joining us at the Vine Church. We're one church with two locations, reaching around the world with our online service. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ. You can partner with us by sharing this video or clicking the give link below. But for right now, prepare your heart for amazing worship and an incredible message. Born to the darkness out, rejected and cut off from home. I couldn't see his love for me. They said he's not who he Hopes up for you. Lives fell away when I saw his face. My heart burst to life. I saw delight in his eyes when he looked at me. My whole world's on fire, alive in the presence that burns inside of me.
morning, church. Good. It's good to see you. It's good to be with you this morning. For those of you I have not yet had the privilege of meeting, my name is Andrew Irwin, and I get to be one of the pastors here. And I am excited to be with you on this family worship service. In fact, I'm so excited to be with you this morning that I brought a friend with me. This is the Falalala Lama. That's right, because today we are doing tacky Christmas sweaters, and some of y'all really got into the spirit, and I really appreciate that. So I'm glad to be here with you all, and I'm glad that our Kidzu kids are in the house today. If you're a Kidzu kid, can you make some noise? Okay, hold up, hold up. I just gave you permission to make a whole bunch of noise in church. So, Kidzu kids, can you make some noise? Yeah, there we go. That's what I was looking for. We are so glad that you're here. We hope that you have a blast this morning. And I pray that everybody is blessed because you are with us today. And I'm excited to jump back into our message series called For You This Christmas. And in this series, what we're talking about is how we have something waiting on us from God. God has something special to give us this Christmas. But in order to receive it, we have to approach Christmas the same way the wise men approached Jesus nearly 2,000 years ago. And those wise men came to Jesus to worship him, which means they didn't come to get something from him, but to give something to him, their worship. Now, I know it can be difficult to focus on worship this time of year. I mean, we are only three days away from Christmas morning, which means that we are really close to our living room floors being turned into a sea of shredded wrapping paper, right? And when that is the case, it's just really difficult to focus on worship because we're so busy thinking about gifts. And I'm just curious, how many of y'all like Christmas gifts? Anybody? I expected more people to like Christmas gifts. I don't know what the deal is with y'all, but yeah, I like Christmas gifts. And I'm just curious, how many of y'all like have a favorite Christmas present that you've ever gotten? Like, what are some of your favorite Christmas presents? What are, what, shout them out. Hamilton tickets. Stretch Armstrong, what? Bendy plushie. I don't know what that is, but it sounds awesome. And one of the earlier services, we had somebody who said a glow-in-the-dark bowling ball, which sounds awesome. A fat man card. That sounds... Batman, that's better. Whew. I didn't know if there was a new superhero I hadn't heard about. Okay, all right. So we got some good gifts. My all-time favorite Christmas gift that I've ever received was a Teddy Ruxpin. Now, some of y'all don't know about Teddy Ruxpin, so I'm going to fill you in. See, when I was a kid, Teddy Ruxpin was the jam. Okay, here's why. Not only was he a like super cuddly bear, and some of y'all are looking at him like that bear's a little creepy. He wasn't at the time, okay? So I used to snuggle with Teddy all the time, and here's the cool thing. Built into Teddy Ruxpin was a cassette player. Now, hold on. Let me back up. Before Spotify... There were CDs, and some of y'all are like, what's a CD? Well, I can't help you with that, but go back another generation, and you get all the way to cassette tapes, and on these cassette tapes would be books, and Teddy Ruxpin would read to me because apparently my parents didn't want to. Thanks, mom and dad. And so Teddy would read to me anytime I wanted. He would read to me for hours and hours and hours, and I loved listening to Teddy Ruxpin read. I would snuggle with him at night. It was a great Christmas present. But the only one that kind of rivals Teddy Ruxpin in my mind was the year my parents pulled the, but wait, there's more card, right? Like, have you, have you ever had parents do that to you? So my, my siblings and I had done the classic Irwin Christmas, which means that we sprinted down the stairs and had opened every present in approximately three minutes and 13 seconds, right? Like everything was open. We were like looking at all of our prizes, all of our loot for the year, and we were pretty pumped. 
But as we kind of stared at everybody else's piles, we realized it's a little light this year. Like, were, were mom and dad trying to tell us that we hadn't been good this year? Was Santa on a budget? Like, what, what was the deal? Like, it, it just didn't look like we had gotten as much as we had gotten in the past. And then my dad came out and said, oh, it looks like, looks like there might be something out on the back deck. And so my siblings and I, we jumped up and we ran to the back door and we looked out there and sure enough, there was three brand new bikes, one for me and my brother and my sister. And so we jumped on those bikes and started riding around the neighborhood in our pajamas on Christmas morning. It was awesome. Like it was a Christmas morning memory that I'll never forget. It was riding around and popping wheelies with my brother and sister on Christmas morning, rocking the PJs. It was just awesome. It was so much fun. It was a great gift to, to get. But as I've been thinking more and more about gifts, I've come to the realization that I actually prefer giving gifts to getting gifts. Like I just really enjoy to give gifts to other people. It's so much fun to me. Like I was thinking about last Christmas, I actually don't remember any of the Christmas presents that I received. Like I don't remember any. I'm sure they were great, but I just, I don't remember them. But I remember a lot of the gifts that I gave last Christmas. And my favorite gift that I gave was my wife and I got our kids a trampoline, like, like the big trampoline. It, and I remember like just before they were about to like tear into that paper and get into that trampoline, like I was so excited. And then they opened it and they were excited and I was excited and we were all jumping up and down in preparation for when we were gonna jump up and down on the trampoline. Like it was awesome. Like so much fun to give them that gift. And I just, just really enjoy giving my kids really good gifts, which is why this time of year, I have to pay close attention to the fact that I don't just focus on giving my kids good gifts. I also need to give Jesus good gifts this time of year. After all, Christmas is his birthday. He's the reason that we're celebrating. And yet so often I, I, I struggle to try to figure out what is it that you get Jesus. I mean, how do you go Christmas shopping for the almighty, all-powerful, all-holy, sinless son of God? Do you go with a necktie? Do you get him a Fali Lala Lama sweater? Do you go with a gift card for Jesus? Here you go, son of God. They were out of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but you can go to the mall, right? Like what, what, what does that look like to get gifts for Jesus? And I think the question you have to ask yourself is, what is the thing that Jesus wants more than anything else? And what is the thing that only you can give him? And the answer is your worship which is why that's what we're gonna focus on this morning. And we're gonna discuss two really good reasons why we should worship. And we're gonna see those in our scripture passage for this morning. So if you brought your Bible or have a Bible app, I'm gonna invite you to open with me to Matthew chapter two. We'll be looking at verses one and two together. And as you're turning to Matthew two, I wanna remind you that we do have Bibles that we would love to give away this morning. And so if you're here and don't have one, just stop by guest services and they will give you a Bible completely for free. It's our gift to you. You can call it an early Christmas present if you like, but we wanna give that to you. And from time to time, I have people ask me, hey, why do y'all give away so many Bibles? It's because we believe incredible things can happen when the word of God is placed into the hands of God's people. Because really, we're not interested in the word getting into your hands, but going from your hands to your head to your heart. And so we would love to give you a Bible this Christmas. And in fact, somebody stopped by our church this week. We were, we were doing a project and they kind of poked their head into the office and were like, hey, um, can, we, can I buy a couple of your Bibles? And I was like, what? This is a church member. He goes, can I buy a couple of your Bibles? 
for the, you know, we want to give them away. And I was like, can, can you give me some more details on what you're talking about? And he said, there's a couple of families in our community that we're sponsoring for Christmas. They're having a hard time and, and included with a bunch of presents we're giving them, we want to give them some Bibles. So can we just like leave you some money and take a couple Bibles? And I said, no, you can't buy our Bibles, but you can definitely take them. You can absolutely take them, take as many Bibles as you want, give them away to anybody in need. And, and so he did, he took those Bibles and those Bibles are being placed into the hands of people who are hurting this Christmas. And here's what I love about that. We're taking people who are hurting and we're giving them the helper. We're giving them the healer and the hope of all the world. And so if you've got somebody in your life who you think could use maybe the helper, the healer, and the hope of the world, then you too can snag a Bible and take it for free this morning and give it to them as a Christmas gift. And so for now, what we're going to do is we're going to throw the words up on the screen so you can track along with us as we pick up reading with Matthew chapter 2, looking at verses 1 and 2. It says this, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. We've been unpacking this passage for the past few weeks, and what we've learned so far is that the wise men arrived in Jerusalem, which, by the way, is only six miles away from Bethlehem. So they get really close to where Jesus was actually born. And they go there because that's where King Herod lived. And they assume that King Herod, who was the king of this region, would know where the king of the world had been born. And so they show up there, and they're looking for Jesus. Now, I want to point out the fact that what these guys have done is extraordinary. Like, it's unbelievable when you really pause to think about it because they have traveled approximately 900 miles across the Middle East on the backside of an animal, likely a camel. How many of y'all have ever ridden a camel? Yeah, we got a few camel riders in the house. Okay, I hope that you'll back me up on this. Riding a camel, not the most comfortable ride out there, okay? It's just, it's not, in fact, here's a picture of me rocking a camel here, right? Yep, that's me riding a camel. I rode on that camel for approximately two minutes, and then was done. Like I was like, all right, camel, let me off, right? Two minutes in, I was done. These guys traveled for two years on the back of a camel to get to Jesus. And, and I'm not great at math, not great at math. But if you, if, if you rode for two years to get to Jesus, how long did it take you to get home? That's another two years. That gives you four years on the backside of a camel because you wanted to take a trip to see Jesus. Four years of your life. Why? Why would they do that? Why would these educated rich men from a completely different culture travel all that way to get to Jesus? The answer is to worship him, to worship him for who he is and what he's done. And that's why what I want to do this morning is kind of break this down. And we're going to look at those two reasons why we should worship Jesus just like they did 2,000 years ago. We should worship him first and foremost because of who he is. We should worship Jesus for who he is. And if you're a note taker, you might want to jot that one down. Worship Jesus for who he is. Now, I want to make sure that this is really clear for us today because Jesus doesn't have to do anything to be worthy of our worship. Not a thing. Like Jesus doesn't have to do anything to deserve everything that we have and everything that we are. It's just who he is. And some of you are going, really? Like, if he doesn't do anything, we still need to worship him? Mm-hmm. And here's why. We're going to hit some scripture this morning. Listen to Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. It says this. 
All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, I, I love this passage because this is a fulfillment of scripture that was written about the Messiah, the savior of the world. And so what this passage tells us is that Jesus is the savior of everyone. And get this church, listen, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Jesus's identity doesn't ever shift. And so if Jesus is the savior today, it means that he has always been the savior. It means that when Jesus was born, he was the savior. Long before the cross, long before the resurrection, he was the savior. It's who he's always been, who he'll always be. He is the savior. And he's not just the savior of the world. He's the savior of you and me. He is our savior. And check this, not only is he our savior, this passage tells us that his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And this is really good news, church. It means that however you're feeling going into this Christmas season, you're not going into this Christmas season alone. And I know some of y'all, 2019's been a year that you're ready to forget. You're ready to move into 2020. It can't get here fast enough. Some of you, you feel like you have lost hope. You've lost all help. You've lost yourself maybe in 2019 and you're just ready for 2020 to get here. I want you to hear this. Before you hit 2020, you get to hear the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done for you. And who he is, is he's your savior who's always, always with you. I I remember when my, my oldest son, Joshua, started preschool. He was doing the two-year-old two, day, two year old half-day preschool. And I'm gonna be honest, man, I remember driving him to that, that first day of preschool and he was freaking out. Like freaking out real, real bad. Like throwing a fit in the backseat of the car. I remember we got into the parking lot of the preschool and I went and sat next to him and I was trying to get him to calm down. And this is the conversation we had. I said, buddy, listen, I know you've never been away from mom and dad as long as, as you're going to be today. But listen, mom and dad can't always be with you. But here's the good news. You're never going to be alone. Not ever. Because Jesus will be with you always. In fact, it's in his name. He's Emmanuel, God with us. And what's funny is when I, when I look back on that scene now, I don't know who is more comforted by that, <laughs> us as parents or him as a child, but I, I still find a whole lot of comfort in the truth that God will be with my kids always because it means that he's going to be with them not just when they start preschool, but when they start elementary school and middle school, the valley of the shadow of death, <laughs> high school, <laughs> and even college. And one day when they start their own family, you know who's gonna be with them? Jesus, because he's gonna be with them always. It's who he is. And because of who he is, he is worthy of our worship. He is the savior. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And here's the cool thing. We don't just have to worship him because of who he is. We can worship him for what he has done. And if you're not clear on what he has done, I want you to check this out. Check out this reading from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. It says this, God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, 
which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Man, there is so much good stuff packed into this little passage. I just want to hit a couple of the highlights here because it's like, it's so good. We could be here all afternoon parsing this out. But listen to this, a couple things. It begins by saying, Jesus has saved us. Now, listen, I recognize we live in the deep south and probably all y'all been saved about half a dozen times already. Listen, I get it. I get it. You drove down the road this morning. You passed 12 churches and two of them baptized you. I get it. I get it. I'm with you, okay? I understand we live in the south. I just want to make sure we have a clear understanding of what it even means to be saved. What that simply means is that we have sinned and broken the relationship with God Almighty. And the only way for us to get back into right relationship with him is through Jesus. And so being saved simply means being put back into right relationship with God. And that's who Jesus is and what Jesus does for us. He is the one who puts us back into right relationship with our heavenly Father. The second thing I wanna pull from this is that he has not only saved us, but he's given us a holy calling. Here's what that means. It means that you were created for something specific, that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. That means that God made you so that you can do something that you alone can do because of Jesus in you. You can do something that no one else on the planet can do because of Jesus inside of you. That's what it means to have a holy calling. And every single person, every single person in this room has a holy calling on their life. Guys, this is so cool to me. It means that the plans that God has for the world, like when God looks at his plans for the world, it's not gonna happen without you fulfilling your holy calling. Think about that. God's plan for heaven invading earth hinges on you. Hinges on you stepping into the holy purpose that he has for your life. He doesn't just wanna save you and then let you sit on the sideline. He saves you so that you can get in the game. And the game is making disciples, making disciples, bringing heaven here to earth. And you are a part of that by reaching one till we reach everyone. You have that calling on your life. And it's not a, it's not a burden, church. It's a blessing. It's a blessing that you have to step into, embrace, and receive. And here's the third thing I want you to hear on this. It ends by saying, that he has put an end to death. He's abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The gospel is the story of death being put to death. And it's a story that you get to step into so that you can live for all of eternity with Jesus. Like this is great news. Like if there was ever a reason why we would worship, that would be it. Death being put to death so we can spend eternity with our heavenly father. It doesn't get any better than that. But sometimes I think, I think we've, we've heard it so many times that it kind of loses that excitement, that joy. I, I, I was thinking this week about some of my favorite Christmas movies. How many of y'all like Christmas movies? Anybody? What, what's your favorite, what's your go-to favorite Christmas movie? The Elf, Home Alone, Christmas Carol, It's a Wonderful Life, Die Hard, yes, definitely a Christmas movie, yep, The Grinch, Christmas Vacation, that's the gift that keeps on giving, Clark, okay, all right, so we're tracking, 
We're tracking. Yeah, there's a lot of really good Christmas movies. I am a little bit disappointed with this room because none of y'all said one of my all-time favorites, which is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. That's right. And I'm not talking about no CGI Rudolph. Like, I'm not talking about, I'm talking the original claymation Rudolph where he hangs out with Yukon Cornelius and Hermie, the elf who wants to be a dentist, right? Like, that's what I'm talking about. Like, I love the story of Rudolph. And here's why. Rudolph is born, right? And from the moment he's born, he's a little bit different from everybody else. And because of his differences, he's rejected. Like he's rejected by all of the other reindeer who used to laugh and call him names, right? Right? Like it it was tough. And not only that, his parents, his parents try to cover up who he really is. Think about that. Like they take the nose and try to cover it so so that he'll look just like everybody else. It's like they don't understand that he has a, a holy calling on his life that only he can do. And then things begin to change for Rudolph because there's a, a foggy Christmas Eve that Santa came to say, <laughs> Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my... And when I watched that as a kid and I saw Rudolph leading Santa's sleigh into the foggy night as the only one who could, I realized that he had saved the day. He had saved Christmas. That the one who had been rejected for who he was born to be had saved the day. And I wanted to stand and cheer. And as I was thinking about it this week, I came to the realization that we have something so much greater to stand and cheer about. We have the one who was born different from everybody else, born of a virgin, knowing that the cross loomed ahead. One who was rejected by everyone around him. One who didn't just save the day, but saved you and me by saving the world. Listen, Jesus is worthy of our worship. Because he is the savior. He always has been, always will be. And he's worthy because of what he has done. He's brought us back into a right relationship with our heavenly father, given us a holy calling that only we can do because of Jesus in you. And not only that, not only that, he's promised to be with you always to the very end for he is our Emmanuel, God with us. And if you're here today and you still can't envision yourself worshiping Jesus, it's probably because you've never met him. Because if you knew him and you knew who he was and what he'd done for you, there's no doubt in my mind you'd want to worship him too. Which is why I want to extend an invite this morning. If you're here and you've never before placed your trust in Jesus, you can do that today. You can cross the line of faith and say, you know what? My life's not going to be about me anymore. It's going to be about him, the savior who came for me. You have the opportunity to make this Christmas the one where where you're done focusing on the gifts of others. And you're going to focus on the gift that Jesus gave to you. And in response, the gift that you want to give back to him, the gift of your worship. And you can focus on him now. Perhaps 
now more than ever as you place your trust in him today. There was a moment when the lights went out Death had claimed its victory The king of love had given up his life The darkest day in history I sing there on the cross There on the cross
Oh, hell. 